Bless the sharing of the scriptures of your truth, knowledge, and wisdom, Lord, to anyone who would hear and listen and seek your knowledge, your truth, your wisdom, Father God. They would come and look for you. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to be your conduit for your truth, knowledge, and wisdom to anyone that would hear and listen and look. Abba Yahweh, Yeshua, Parakletos, Amen. So, I'm going to share some things with you because the Holy Spirit and I have been having conversations the last couple of days. Um, been kind of really pretty heavy duty because Satan's really pushing hard um, and trying to get me wrapped up because of my situation that I'm in. I've shared some with you and and uh, having to do with medical and things like that, but. Um, I shared with you too that my God, and I couldn't find the the translation for it, unfortunately, but there is a word in Hebrew and I can't get the pronunciation of the word, but it's written in Hebrew. I can do the calligraphy, but I can't, it doesn't tell me how to say it. (laughs) Um, And sometimes when you're writing in a written language, I learned this in some of the other languages, that there's not really a translation for it. So you can write it and visibly see that of what you're trying to say, but you can't. So I know it's kind of peculiar, but you skip over. But we do, I mean, we do that a lot in the English language. Listen to all that stuff that gets tossed around out there. And, and I call that lazy talk, but sometimes there's not really a translation for it. So what I'm talking about is even if, yeah, I'm going to hit on that again, because here's the thing, even if all of this is going on around me now and Satan keeps coming at and coming at and coming at, and I keep rebuking, 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 see, I put on my armor. I don't leave it laying around and then sit there and expect God to be like something we see in all these fanciful children movies, uh, 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 magic. God doesn't work magic. It might seem magical on the outcome, but God performs miracles. He puts his hand in, and even if, even if Satan comes, and even with all the white noise, and man, he's pushing hard. He's pushing hard, but here's the thing. I am a child of God. I am a man of God. I am God's tool to use to get the word. And that's what I am, a man of God in the middle of God's will. And I'm invincible until God says, okay, we're done. That's how it works for me. And that's how it should work for every man and woman out there because that's what God says. But people get caught up and they start believing all this stuff and the white noise, yeah, but what if, but what if, but what if? And those of you that are so up in the workaholism, I don't think I've ever heard it said that way before. But if you're a workaholic and you have that workaholism and you just, and you go, 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 go. And there are individuals that are even working within the body of the church that do that. And they're so caught up in everything they do. They don't have time to get to this or that other 
project or they don't have time for other people. Because everything is caught up in what they're doing. They're caught up in their stuff. But here's the thing with God. And I love the fact that he is my God, even if. Don't get caught up in all your stuff. And I refuse to get caught up in this thing here because let me tell you, if I allow it and I stay caught up in it, I'm going to be, whew, this is scary, okay? I have, and I don't even want to even get to and relate to it, and I just got to keep praying on it. Um, but see, Satan is coming really hard. Thank you, Father, for this situation. Thank you, Father, for even allowing this, because Satan does not like what I'm doing. And all this that's going on is telling me and what the knucklehead and his minions are doing, they don't even realize it. And contrary to like those others that um, will declare, oh, if you talk about Satan, you're glorifying him and you're just not paying attention to God. And, yeah, well, that's a bunch of foolishness. But on the flip side of that, what Satan's doing by sending his minions and continually coming at me like this, he is, <laughs> I find it funny because he is in turn actually validating what I'm doing and I'm doing it for God and he doesn't even realize that he's doing that. See, for my God makes all things good for them that love the Lord. And he is showing me that he's validating what I'm doing and he likes what I'm doing and Satan coming at me the way he does is just strengthening that validation within me saying, I must be really doing something good for God because Satan really hates it so bad that his minions just won't leave me alone and he won't leave me alone. He keeps coming at me and coming at me and coming at me and trying to tear me down, tear me down, tear me down. And the sad part is that there's a lot of individuals that wind up doing that very thing and fall down on their knees and say, I give up. I give up. I just can't take this anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't take it anymore. And they give up the fight. They take off that helmet of salvation. They throw it on the ground. They drop their shield and they toss their shields. I've seen surrender like that in, in old movies, sorry. But that's what they do. They they fall down there. They're so worn out and they're, they've been fighting for so long. And then they just fall. They fall on their knees. They toss the shield aside and then the sword gets tossed. And they take off the helmet and they throw it down and they just bow their head. And they're just like, they're covered in and filth and sweat and dirt and grime and and they're just I, I can't do it anymore I can't give up I, I I surrender I can't do it anymore and then they just give up and see that's what Satan wants us to do he wants us to surrender he wants us to give up he wants us to give in but we need to be more like Daniel and Hananiah Michelle and Azariah. They did not give in. They did not step down in cowardice. They did not step aside in compromise. They stood up boldly, non-confrontationally. Three of them were thrown in the furnace. And then the authority of Jesus and his person showed up in the furnace. 
Nebuchadnezzar had never met the Lord, but yet he recognized his authority. He leaned forward in his throne. The arrogant guy, he liked to watch people burn up. So he had a throne set right beside the furnace and the doors open so he could watch them as they roasted. And then, of course, the rhetorical question came out. I've shared it with you before. He looked over at his counselor. He says, hey, didn't we throw three men in the furnace? Why is there a fourth? And they are walking around and he is like unto the son of God. That was from Nebuchadnezzar's mouth. He is like unto the son of God. The authority of Jesus came down, manifest himself, and he showed up to them in the furnace. And they came out. They didn't smell like they'd been in the furnace. They didn't smell like the wood burning. Their clothes was not singed. Their hair wasn't singed. It wasn't out of place. They looked like they were getting ready to go to a prayer meeting. And where did they go to a prayer meeting? So, I say that to say this. I am going to continue fighting because that's what we are to do. God made us a suit of armor. And I'm going to keep that suit of armor with me. And I'm going to keep it. And then sometimes... I get forgetful. I'm an old guy. But that suit of armor is made for a purpose. When you get into situations like this, and then you have those slothful, lazy, self-righteous, self-declared individuals that will tell themselves Christians or they call themselves the, uh, as I term them, the theological wizards. Some of them have a degree and some of them don't, but they consider themselves too good to do God's work. Oh my, oh my. Yes, they do. They consider themselves to be too good to do God's work. They don't go to Bible studies and they don't share. They don't testify. They don't, they're not about God's business. What they're about mostly, most often, is about their business until it comes comes time conveniently to share what they've done. Oh, I did this and 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 this and this and this and this. Well, testimony is okay to share if it's glorifying God, but if it's glorifying self, then it's not really testifying, it's bragging. And there's nothing that we do. I mean, God allows me to do some things. I've shared with you some things that, that I have walked into and that God's been with me to do, but it's for the glory of God. It's not to put myself up this thing here that I'm doing right now. I did it. I tried to do it on my own because I was told by some person that uh, decided that their authority, they exceeded the authority that they actually have. I didn't get confrontational, but... Pretty much just ignored it and did what God wanted me to do and what God directed me to do, and that's to do this, be in his business, and that's what I am in, and that's what I will be in. And that's okay, because individuals that do this sometimes do it out of ignorance, and they just need prayer, and it is a prayerful thing that we do. We should exhort one another, lift each other up. That's what that means, is that you lift them up and encourage them, exhort them in prayer, and we do that always. So, saying that to say this. I said a lot to say this. <laughs> I'm glad you bear with me. 
but it's all for the glory of God. So God is the God of even if, where Satan likes to blame, discourage, deflate, belittle, degrade, point the finger in accusation and blame. But there is none of that in any of this. And there shouldn't be. And what you do is you keep on that armor of God and don't be slothful, don't be lazy. Keep your feet on the floor. And when those things come and they happen, then you stand upright and boldly and point right back at Satan and say, and as and his minions, I rebuke you in the name of my Lord Jesus, my King, Lord Jesus. The name of my God, Abba Yahweh, be gone, I rebuke you. And off they go. They, they flee. They're going to go because they don't like being around Jesus. They don't like that authority. That authority supersedes anything that they've got. But see, Satan lies to them and coerces them. And they come back, crawl into him, and he, and he gets them off on another chore. Because he lies to them. And even those non-demonic minions that work for him, that walk on this plane of existence in the form of mammon, they believe his lies. They believe lies over truth. They perpetrate lies. I mean, goodness gracious. Some of the stuff that's going on. But see, to be afraid is ignoring the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty and being fearful. God knows that things make us afraid and he doesn't mind us being afraid. But if you're fearful, remember I shared this with you and I share it pretty often and I'm gonna keep sharing it with you because the time is drawing closer and closer and more and more people are becoming fearful and they're reacting to things that are going on around them in a fearful manner. They're not reacting in a, in a manner that is good or that is the way a Christian would or a believer would. So what you need to do is you need to strap on that armor. Quit being lazy about it. Get into it. And there are those that read the, and oh, we win, we win, we win. Well, what do we win? How are you putting we in it? You see, when I hear individuals talk like that, it reminds me very much of a of what we used to call, I'm not even sure they use the term anymore or if anybody would even understand, an armchair quarterback. They're on the couch or they're in their easy chair in the living room of their house or sucking on a beer and they're screaming and hollering and making all kinds of noise. And sometimes the wife will leave because she doesn't even like being around that or sometimes she'll stay. And she gets like that. So they're directing the traffic on the TV screen the way they perceive that it should be done. And, of course, the individuals can't hear it, and they think they're directing it. And then whenever they talk to anybody about anything, oh, did you see that game last week? We did, 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 we did. They include themselves into something that they had no part in. Interesting. That self-proclaimed Christians will do that very thing. They do so very noisily and they claim victory that is not really theirs 
Although, because they gave Jesus, they they asked Jesus to come into their lives and heart, but they're very lazy about doing anything related to God's business. And their declaration is that, oh, we win. We win. We don't have to do anything except they ignore everything that God has said from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible and then, and all that in between is that we wear the full armor of God, that we be about God's business. We share his word. We share his testimony. We share his truth. We share the gospel of the, of the word of God. And remember this too. Don't forget this. The gospel doesn't separate the Old Testament from the New Testament. There are theological wizards that have decided that that delineates the Bible from the historical part to the life of Jesus Christ. So they call that part the gospel. Well, you're corrected because the word gospel means good news or truth. And it was a, it's a Latin, comes from a Latin phrase the Romans used to use it. And when they were bringing something that was truthful, an event that was taking place, and they would come in and they would use the term and they would say, this is gospel. Meaning that those who are listening better pay attention. So I'm telling you out there now that this is all gospel from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation and from Revelation back again. Fall regula fidele, which is also Latin, which means rule of faith. So that rule of faith means that everything in this book that is open before me now is gospel. It is the truth and the word of God because he authored it and he finished it and he gave it to us as a guidebook for this walk of life. And there are rules in here that we need to follow and be adherent to. And that includes putting on the armor of God and being in this battle. I'm in a battle right now. You might not see it, but my interior is getting battered and bruised. I'm feeling... Sometimes with Satan, this is the other thing that Satan loves to get us to do is believe that, well, I shouldn't be going through this right now. I shouldn't be this. I shouldn't be that. Who said? See, I had this, I had this notion before because I saw my father after 32 years, he retired at age 55 and then he died 10 years later. But that was things now I'm finding out that could have been even related to the jobs. And now they're doing this, they're bringing this stuff up afterwards. Oh, goodness gracious. But at any rate, he's in heaven. And I know that he's doing special things because, and I shared this when he was being interred, that um, because of my father's fortitude in what he did on this plane of existence, also in his love of God, And he's doing, he's got my father doing something special. Whenever I hear a siren going down the road, I know that my father is with them. That's what he did. He was a firefighter. And he was also a fighter. Even when he was getting ready to head to heaven, he had his armor on. I know he did <clears throat> because my mom shared with me of what he was going through. I only went and saw part of it. And our God is the God of even if. 
And these self-proclaimed Christians, they wouldn't put on a suit of armor to do anything and lift their finger. They're um, very soft, very lazy. They don't share the word. They don't testify. They don't uh, encourage others. They're not prayerful. They're just, they, they, it's a show thing. I pray for them because that's what we're told to do. I pray for them. And they're included in my on my prayers every morning and every night that, that God would encourage and strengthen and that they would be convicted in their heart. And you got to remember, too, that that word convicted of the Holy Spirit is not anything to do re- relative to the courts that we see. And when somebody's convicted, they go to prison. It's not like that. What a conviction of the Holy Spirit is, is a change of attitude, a change of one's heart, and that they're drawn to the Holy Spirit and the truth as opposed to what they are doing. It's a change of direction. That's what the word repentance means. It means to change direction, change your mind because you can't change your heart. So you got to change your mind and then allow the spirit to come in and redirect your heart. That's the way it works. Repentance, change your, change your direction of march. Saying all that to say this, word of God, even if. So we're going to start, we're going to go back to the book of Job. Oh my goodness, you want to talk about even if, so all this stuff. And in this, this is what, uh, and I wrote this, and I remember doing this now. Boy, I did that a long time ago. Emmanuel. I wrote this as a scribe note, and I think I think now I remember why I put it where I put it. <laughs> I put it right above the book of Job. Emmanuel, always. Remember what that means? A translation is in us with us always always and why do i go to the book of job old testament following the rule of faith back in the history book we will see job went through some stuff and he was tested Job was, in the culture of that time, that Job was what they would call a wealthy man. Now, in their culture, I mean, Job also had, he had money. He did have that. But the way in their culture back in the day that that, uh, wealth was determined was not so much how much the the amount of money that you had and those that those that that proffered that were very arrogant and rude and the Pharisees were very much like that. I shared this with you when they went to the temple they had a, a special offering box that was separate from everyone else and there was uh, it looked like an old Victorola no, goodness gracious there's folks who don't even know what I'm talking about. There was a large um, it looked like a megaphone uh, what they would call a trumpet attached to the box. And that's what the 
Pharisees and the rich would come and they would, and that's how they put their money into the offering box. They would drop their coins in there. So it was, it would go out into the temple. I mean, you could hear it rolling down this thing and you could hear all the clanking around and the noise that was made by the coins falling into that box. And they did that intentionally. So everyone's attention would be drawn to, oh, how rich they are. Look how much they're doing. Look what they're doing. Oh my goodness, really? And this this is why Jesus used it in a, in a parable that he gave and talking about the woman who gave greater, you know, oh, of course the, oh, of course the rich man, blah, 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 blah. And there are those, of course, they would argue that point back and forth. But in Jesus' teaching was the woman. She came, she had one single coin that she had had for a long, long time. And it was all she had. It's all she had. And she came in and quietly, embarrassingly, so no one would see her, and she dropped it in the coin box. She gave it as the offering. She was giving it to God, not to the temple. She was giving it to God. She gave greater than they that dropped all the coins in that was loudly displayed by all the noise and the din that it caused Why the teacher was trying to read Torah and they were over there making this din so everyone's attention would be to them and not to the word. At any rate, Job was quite a wealthy individual. But it wasn't in the production that he did things that made everybody enjoy Job. Job, Job was a guy, he was a good guy. And despite everything that took place and things took place in Job, Job had a lot of things. He had money, he had wealth, he had stock, he had animals. And it goes down on a list actually and it lists all the stuff that Job did have. His animals, his camels, his donkeys, his sheep, all these things that counted. And and he had, now of course, here's, there's people that are going to jump on board with this and get, all, get their knickers all twisted up and they're going to sit uncomfortably and squirm. Well, that's too bad that you all do that. Seek offense and you should surely find it. So anyway, Job had servants, but remember in those days... The culture was that they lived with the person who had the property. And they were taken care of. They were paid. They had time to leave and go and shop and do what they wanted to do. And like Job, those that were good to them would buy them clothes, would buy them materials so that a lot of times the wives like to make their own clothes and provide for them. Education was provided for their children. Everything was provided when they lived with the landowner or then like they lived with Job and he took care of them. He took care of them like they were members of his family because in that culture and in those days, they were that, but they were also called servants because they were in servitude to the house and it was an agreement. But they were taken care of like family members. They weren't, and, and there were some very egregious that were really bad to those that, that lived with them and, and worked for them, and they really treated them badly. 
But Job treated them well. He was a good, was a good man. And when it talks about those things, everything that Job lost, even into his family, his all of his children died at one time. One time, now this is interesting to find this because they always, it was hard. And Job was always praying for them. He was always doing a, a sacrifice for them to keep them covered and anointed because of something that they might've done and not even realizing. But what they didn't, have dinner together all the time. The The brothers were, they had their own little thing going on. And they didn't have their sisters come and eat with them and join with them and all this. But this one evening, they decided to do things a little different. And they all came together. And Job was having company. And this is a story we can find it in the first chapter of Job. It goes down and it describes all these things that happened. And it takes place in the eldest brother's house or the sons and daughters. And then here come the messengers bringing word to Job. Well, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And as it goes, and you will find this, and <laughs> wow, what a way to happen. So Job is getting all this information from these messengers company. And then as we see in verse 16, while he was yet speaking, there came also another. And then you go down, and while that one was giving his bad news, in verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, and as he goes on and goes on and goes on, and then we go to verse 18, while he was yet speaking and said, your sons and daughters, they're all dead. And in all these things, we go to verse 21 in the first book of Job. And Job then Job, well, we're going to go back to verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head, and he fell down upon the ground and worshiped. What did he do? What's that word? Worshiped? Entered the Lord's gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and enter his house with worship? Job and all that was could have been crying and why did you this and that and this and that and thus and thus, but he didn't. He fell down upon the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord, and all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He didn't blame God. He didn't point his finger. See, this is what the devil wants me to do through this. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your strength and encouragement. So in these things that are going on, which I could very easily do, but it's not. This is a test and a trial, and it's okay, because that's he's my God. And I signed a blank contract. 
It didn't say thus and thus in the party. The second part being Raven Whitehawk signing this uh, agrees to do these things if you don't allow this to happen, such and such and such. And such. Doesn't matter. Job threw himself down and worshiped God and declared that he is the God of even if. Taking a sip of my coffee so you can ponder that a moment. He is the God of even if. Even if this happens, even if that happens, So, through these things that were going on, there were, you had individuals that came, he called them friends, or they called themselves friends, but God only appreciated one because he didn't sit there and try to tell Job everything that he should do and what he did wrong and how he did this and how he did that. And then he brought it upon himself and try, they tried to assess blame. <clears throat> but remember this, and I'll share it with you as many times as it takes. There's only one place that blame comes from. And that's from Satan because he is the blamer, the deceiver, the liar, the stealer. He comes to condemn and destroy, to separate derision, derisiveness, and hatred. That's all he's about. And that, when you start blaming individuals and you start pointing the finger and blaming, then that comes from him. So, saying that, let me backtrack a little bit there and, and make correction too, because I may have let some people be confused. That individual that told me that I should be doing this and tried to direct in a way that is authority. You know, I, I don't blame him for anything at all. I pray for his strength and encouragement. And I love him and I greet him with a smile and a shalom, shalom. And remember, I shared that with you too, that I try to make that my my greeting. I don't say, hey, how you doing? Having a good day, blah, blah, blah. Have a good day, haven't I say? It's shalom, shalom. Because in Hebrew, when you say that twice, you are invoking the God of peace and God's peace in their day for them. And when you depart from them, it's much like the Hawaiians when they say aloha, aloha, it means the same thing, hello, goodbye. So in Hebrew, it means hello, goodbye, same thing, but it's invoking the peace of God. And remember that that's a good thing to invoke on people, it is. And remember what Jesus tells us in the upper room when he was with the disciples there and they were hiding and they were fearfully locking themselves behind the door, but that didn't stop Jesus. He'd been crucified and he's resurrected and he can, well, he could have anyway, but he now appeared before them. And what he, did he say? He says, I give you peace. I give you my peace, not as in peace of the world because the peace of the world, he, there is no true peace. So, But these things that were taking place with Job and things, and then I'm going to jump over here to Job 5 and 17. Behold, happy is a man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou 
the chastising of the Almighty. What does that mean? Well, that means that any good father, my earthly father, when he needed to, he would dole out punishment or what we called punishment, but he wasn't really punishing. He was correcting. But of course, when you're in the middle of that thing taking place, you're not looking at it like that. It's punishment. But he was, man, he loves us. Our God loves us. He corrects us because he wants to see us walking correctly. And he is the God even of. Now, Job is a fine scriptural example. Of the God of even if. Another scripture that I'm going to share with you. Because this is very. For some it's very tenuous. But this is truth. And remember that Jesus tells us this. Tomorrow is not promised. So why are you fussing and worrying about all this stuff that goes on around? Can't get it accomplished. You're involved in workaholism. And that's so much more important. You don't have time for others. And you don't have time for being in the word of God. You don't have time for prayer and you get so tuckered out from doing all this stuff that you don't even make it into sermons. You don't make it to church and you have a litany of excuses as to why not. And sadly, there are some that are putting out so much bodily effort into working in and around the church that they're so tired out. They don't even go to church. They don't go and they don't listen to worship. They don't worship and they they leave. They leave before the sermon's over. They don't show up or they come in and they do this thing so that they make a, you know, they do whatever and then they turn around and they exit and they don't come back. They go home because they've done what they were supposed to do for that week and prayerfully, hopefully so, that they're uh, viewing on video because our church does that. Our house of God relays that out because there are our pastoral staff and our creativity staff, they realize that there are many that still are caught up in all these things that this country perpetrated out to them during that uh thing called COVID. And so they just stay home. They don't even want, they don't even get out and go. They don't, sadly, they don't get out and do anything. See, so um, what I declare is a rebuke on that because this is exactly the type of stuff that Satan wants to do. Derisiveness, separation from each other and from God. But in saying that to say this, and we find this in Job 8, 9. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing because our days upon earth are a shadow. Our days upon earth are a shadow. Meaning that many go through life and they're not 
seeking truth. They're not seeking knowledge or wisdom from the Father. They're not asking for any of that guidance. And they don't, they're not learning anything. And tomorrow arrives and they fade away. There are some, on the other hand, that are not like that, and they seek knowledge and truth, truth, knowledge, and wisdom from God, and that's a good thing. But here's this, and I love this part, and it again comes out of Job. Job chapter 12, because it talks about, remember when you stand before the Lord God Almighty and he asks why you didn't know, and you say, well, I didn't know because nobody told me. Ah, You didn't listen. So, in verse 7, 12, 7, but ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee. And the fishes of the sea, they shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Doth not the ear try words and the mouth taste his meat? With the ancient is wisdom and in length of days understanding. With him is wisdom and strength, and he hath counsel and understanding. I've shared this with you before, and it's that uh, that those um, theological wizards like to declare themselves always in charge and knowing everything. And they have decided that certain things, that, oh, that's a Christmas carol. We don't sing that all the time. It's a Christmas carol. Why? So you only bring it out in December when they don't even know that that's actually when Jesus was born. That's what we celebrate. But the reality of it is that verbally, we know that it is during that winter season. And we don't know the exact month. But those that decide that they're in the know and everybody else doesn't have decided that December the 25th is what we're going to celebrate as the birth of Christ, or that we're supposed to celebrate the birth of Christ, and those that declare. But um, Mammon, they celebrate Christmas time. And they don't celebrate the birth of Christ. They celebrate Christmas time. And the word is actually a combination word that comes from both Latin and Spanish, but it's a... Uh, uh, it means more Christ. Cristo mas, mas, mas Christ, more Christ. So now that's all gone away and it's just this funny fat man who does magic and can deliver all these presents to everyone. And he only comes at Christmas time because on Christmas Eve he's performing this magic that takes him all around the world overnight. And makes delivery to all these houses. Supposedly that's the way the legend goes. Then celebrate the birth of Christ. Some it does, some it does not. Many it does not. Unfortunately, I think those that do not outweigh those that do. But 
we must make amends for that. So, in the book of Psalms, David is another one of those individuals and I come to him. And there is declaration in the book of Psalms. Also, there's prophetic word of Jesus. And, but all, when you go through the book of Psalms, which is a collection of David's songs and his poems that he wrote to God in worship of God, and God likes his singing. God likes his poems. But everything that um, we read about David is that he went through a lot of things. But every time he comes back, he comes back to God. A lot of things going on around him. Had enemies attacking the city, enemies were attacking him personally, and you had even citizens that were attacking him personally because they didn't like something he had said, but it was in to God. But he always came back to the place that he knew he should be. And when things are going on, um, we're going to find in Psalm 4, 4 and 5, stand in awe and sin not, commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Pause. That's what the word selah means. It just means pause. Take a moment. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. David did this often. He did this all through his walks when they had come and, um, he, but he always returned to the God. The God of even if. Psalm 11. In the Lord put I, put I my trust. How say ye to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountains. Are you going to run away and hide? Go to God. And just like he talked, we, we do this often. We run away from the very thing that we should be running to. David worshiped the Lord. He was not perfect, but God didn't expect him to be perfect. But he called David a man after my own heart because David kept coming back. He kept coming back, kept coming back. Declaration again in Psalm 45. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of the kingdom is a right scepter. Things that were going on throughout his life and he talks and things. Some of these troubles that David had, I've shared this before, <coughs> pardon me, are in his own mind. 
in that he sees it. And Satan loves that. And I shared that he loves that because he knows that the weakest point of attack is our mind. It doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess is. It doesn't matter what you, how smart you think you are. And there are individuals that are uh, have 160 IQ and above. And quite honestly, I've met a few that have been really good individuals, but mostly they're really arrogant and they talk down to people a lot and they think it's beneath them to have conversation with anyone that is not even an equitable point of intellect or above that they can have a This is, I shared with you, I got kind of outed for um, some things that these professors were, but the professor that used to visit with me and we used to sit and have coffee with all the time and in our conversations, he knew things, knew a lot of things. And he liked conversation with me because I couldn't equate with him on things that he was talking about. And I understood what he was talking about, what he was sharing about. And these other individuals came and they tried to degrade, belittle, and they didn't want to do anything. So he separated from them and, you know, they were... He gave it to him in a very demonstrative way and, and he basically called them out. And we should we should do that, brothers and sisters, but do so in righteousness. Stand upright, bold and courageous. Don't be confrontational and say, hey, why are you... Come on, that's our brother or sister there. Come on, they can come, come on, come on, come on, come on. And invite them into the conversation though. But there are individuals and... We need to share with them. Don't look down on them. See, that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to look down. He wants to separate us. And he wants us to be in fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And he wants us to Lift them up in prayer. Pray one for another. We're told to do that. And in Timothy, that uh, Paul, when he writes to his young man who declares as a son, and Paul never married and had children, but he calls this young man his son. Brothers and sisters, the point being that as they say there are strength, there is strength in numbers. That's an old military thing that I heard many decades ago. But we are to be of one mind, one body. We are to exhort one another, pray for one another, lift each other up. And remember always that our Lord God is not the Lord of what if. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? But, 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 Yeah, there's individuals that have come up with that all the time. My Lord, my God, is the God of even if. He is gracious. He is merciful. He's everlasting. His faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Jesus Christ came and died for me. 
even if all those other things were going on, he came. And what if Satan wants to take me and he works hard at doing so? Even though Jesus came and died for me because he didn't want to let me go. He loves me. He loves all of us. And that's the way it is. He loves all of us. And he came for that purpose. The Holy Spirit wants to guide and teach us through the bends and turns of this life. And that we need to know and understand that the detour may very well be the road. So like Job and all the things, he lost everything and still he worshiped God. He did not blame God. He said, hey, just let me die. Let me, you know, we have nothing. My children are gone. Everything is destroyed. Everything is just, just let me die. Let me come home. That's the only thing he did. But he did not shake his fist at God and blame God, which is what Satan wanted him to do. But in everything that happened, he did not do that. And we come into situations all the time. And if we are wearing the armor of God, Job had it on, he didn't even know it. Or maybe he did. But the friends that came to stay with Job, and several were so-called friends, but they came and they tried to tell Job everything that he had done wrong and the reason that God was punishing him. There was only one friend, one true friend that came and just sat with him. Just sat with him. And was in sorrow with him. Grieved with him. But didn't tell him every single thing he had done wrong. We have a friend like that. We have a true friend. And that true friend is the Lord Jesus. He came and died for us. But he didn't blame us. He didn't point his finger and make accusations and declare that. He just came to take care of it. Jesus came and died for those sins that we decided to hang on to and we decided to make our life and he came for that purpose to abolish those and to abolish that binding that Satan had us all wrapped up in and to change our way. Jesus came as our friend to love us, to keep us, to change our lives. He came as our redeemer. And remember, I shared this with you, the name as it is. It's not his first, middle, and last name and, you know, the way we look at it and the English formative and other, other cultures do this. But his name, Jesus, means Savior. Emmanuel. You shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God in us, God with us. And the word Christ means anointed of God. So here you have our Savior, God in us, God with us, anointed of God, Bar Joseph, the son of the earthly father, Joseph, and Mary. That's his whole name. Savior, God in us, God with us, anointed of God, 
came and died on the cross, was like that friend that came to sit and just be with Job. Didn't come to point his finger and say, well, you know, you did this, so God punishing you for that, or you should have this, you should have that. He didn't give Job any of that. He just came and sat with him. A visible consolation. Didn't come to tell him anything. God honored him and liked that. And at the end of this tale of Job, the story, we see that God honored his friend. The others were not so much because they came and tried to tell Job everything he had done wrong and that God was doing this for that. that. They were trying to be God's spokesperson. God doesn't need some spokesperson or some salesman. See, that's not what I'm about either. I'm not trying to sell you. God said, you have a choice. I made you with a free will choice. You choose. I would rather that you choose to follow that my only begotten son is that indeed, and that he came and he died for you, that he is your savior. And then he comes to testify that I am with you and in you. And that I anointed him to do so. He is Lord of Lord, King of Kings, and all are under his feet. Counselor, Prince of Peace, mighty is he. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers daily on my going out, my coming in. 